Well, Merry Christmas. It appears that everyone in Katie and West Houston came to the four o'clock Christmas Eve service <laughs> at Kingsland. I'm so glad that you did. Uh, listen, before we get any farther, I do want to say something. There's a, th- this wonderful, these instrumentalists and our worship team and the media volunteers and staff up there have uh, come to work on Christmas so that we could celebrate together. We thank you all. Thank you so much for giving to the Lord. We're grateful. Well, something happened to me a couple of years ago. I wonder if it's ever happened to you. I was looking through my sock drawer um, about January 20th, something like that, and I came across a gift in there that I had purchased like when it was on sale that summer for Christmas, and I'd put it in a safe place so I wouldn't, uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be shown to anybody. It'd be a surprise, and lo and behold, I couldn't find it. I hid it so well that I didn't find it until after Christmas. Does that happen to anybody else? So I missed, I missed the gift at Christmas and ended up with it later on. Well, the passage I want to talk about for just a couple of minutes is kind of like that. It's one of these gifts of Christmas that oftentimes people bypass until after Christmas. And what I'm talking about is actually found in Luke chapter 3. Some might call it the forgotten chapter of the Christmas story because we tend to focus on Luke chapter 2 and all the events we've already talked about today. In Luke chapter 3, right after Jesus began his earthly ministry, he was baptized, it says that there's a genealogy. And it begins this way in Luke chapter 3, 23. As he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought to be the son of Joseph, son of Heli, and it keeps going through the genealogy all the way to Adam. Now, in between are some names we recognize, like Boaz, Abraham, and Enoch, and a lot we've never heard of. It's a simple structure. Son of so-and-so, and the son of so-and-so, who's the son of so-and-so. You probably wouldn't run to that. I don't know anybody who's actually memorized these, looked at it, and said, this is such a, my favorite passage of scripture. Nothing like that. But you know that those living in Israel at the time of Christ would have been really surprised that we cared so little about genealogy, about our ancestry and our, our parents, because at that time, you couldn't buy and sell land unless you knew who was in your family line, because it had to stay according to that tribe. Uh, likewise, it was the, the way that they determined who was from the priestly line, who could serve uh, with service in the temple. And so many reasons it mattered. The same principle, in fact, applies to the Christmas account, because we've already read. Remember, they went. Joseph and Mary went from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Why? Because Caesar Augustus had issued a census and they had to go to the town of their ancestry. That would have been the reason. They had to consult their genealogy. Now there's two lessons of Jesus' heritage and his genealogy that really become important this time of year. And I think if we'll understand these reminders, it'll bless you this Christmas Eve. Just two reminders. The first I want you to see is because of the genealogy, we recognize that Jesus is a real person who lived in real history. And that's really important because some people have the mistaken idea that Jesus is sort of like this mythological figure or fictitious idea that, that just like the gods of Mount Olympus or that he's this conglomeration of all these different great figures throughout history. No, he's a real person. In fact, all the major religions throughout history have acknowledged that Jesus is a real person. He's the unavoidable fact. He changed all of history. And so we see that uh, here as well. You see, uh, I've, I've returned to the Holy Land uh, several times, and, and uh, some of you were with me a few weeks ago. I'll have the privilege of going in a couple of weeks. And whenever I come back, people who've gone on the trip often say, you know what, it's really stirring to be there because I always recognize that God is real. But to see the real places where Jesus was, it's pretty amazing, right? 
And so that's what you need to recognize when we read this account today. We didn't just gather about the idea of Christmas tonight. Jesus Christ was born in a real place in Bethlehem. You can go today and you can find the site and kneel before the cave that has been located where Jesus was born that night. You can travel today to a real town of Nazareth, go to the ruins of that ancient city, and you can find the village there where Jesus grew up, a real village. You can travel from there to Capernaum, just northeast of there on the Sea of Galilee, and you can see the place where Jesus lived as a grown-up. And of course, you can go to Jerusalem today to a real place, and you can visit visit where Jesus hung on a real cross and paid the penalty for our sin, was buried in a real tomb, and then rose from the dead on the third day. We celebrate tonight because Jesus is a real person from real history. In fact, the genealogy is really important to that because Jesus had to be from the line of David so that he could be king. We saw that established throughout the Old Testament. That's why you see the genealogies in Ezra 2 and Nehemiah 7. They're so important because they're establishing who returned from exile and who was qualified to be king. And so that was Jesus. It's Hallmark movie season. Some of you have watched some cheesy movies this season, right? One of the classic all-time cheesy movie plots goes something like this. There's a man or a woman who's rather ordinary, but he finds out that he's actually the heir to some throne of some kingdom, and so becomes a prince or a princess or a king or a queen, something like that, right? How many times has that been used? Well, in real life, what we see here is Jesus' right to the throne is determined by his genealogy. He's a real king, and Jesus had roots. He had a history. He had a family. He's a real person in real history. And I tell you one other reminder that I hope will bless you this Christmas Eve. Jesus was a real person in real history, but he also, him coming, shows us that God's timing is absolutely perfect. You see, there had been centuries in which people had been longing for Christ. They'd been longing for Messiah. And some of them had to be thinking, what are you waiting for, God? Where is Messiah? But he came at just the right time, the perfect time. It's the reason why Galatians 4, 4 says it this way. Listen, when the time came to completion, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. He came at just the right time. That word completion in the passage has the idea of fruit ripening for the moment of harvest. At just the right time, Jesus came. Do you know, we now know from history that at the time Jesus came, there were people all over the world anticipating something extraordinary that was going to happen. Uh, The now extinct religions of Greece and Rome were waiting on some superhero to show up. They held out hope for what they call a deliverer. The Jews knew Messiah was supposed to come at any time because they knew the prophecies. The Persians and even closer, the Nabataeans uh, just across the Jordan were anticipating. They were looking to the stars and they recognized that something was about to happen. Now, clearly all these people didn't know that it was Jesus, but they knew that something was going to happen and Jesus was the one that changed history. In fact, uh, one, one really special reminder is buried in this genealogy that I want to show you before we close. Back at the first verse, Luke 3.23, uh, it says he began his ministry, as he began his ministry, Jesus was about 30 years old and was thought to be the son of Joseph. Now, why did it say thought to be the son of Joseph? You understand that, right? Because he was actually the adopted son of Joseph because he was the son of God. We know that. Now, it's really interesting. The book end of this is when we get all the way to Adam, Luke 3.38, it says, son of Enos, son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. It says, Adam is the son of God. Now, not in the same sense that Jesus is God the son, son of God. Do you understand? But in a sense, he was the very first man created by God 
He was the, God's son in that sense. So we have two sons, if you will, that are contrasted here. The first son, Adam, was a man of rebellion who ended up bringing uh, brokenness to the whole world and all of history. And then the son of God, Jesus, came into this world. And when Jesus came into the world, he came in perfection and holiness and righteousness. And where Adam sowed seeds of destruction, Jesus came in his perfection to bring redemption to the world, forgiveness to the world, hope to the world, joy to the world. Do you see? It's absolutely a contrast here. In fact, you know what's interesting? Matthew's genealogy, there's another one in Matthew that describes the, 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 the way that, that Jesus, you look back through his heritage. Uh, that one goes back to Abraham. You notice that Luke's genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. You know why that's important? Matthew reminds us that Jesus came to save the Jews. That's wonderful. He's Messiah for the Jews. But Luke goes even farther back. Why? He wants us to know that Jesus came to save the whole world. That means that there's nobody here who's outside the hope of the joy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It's available to anyone who'd call on him. Isn't that glorious? Now listen, God's timing is perfect. I, I've, in my own research, found that just about every family has that one family member who cannot keep a secret, right? I'm just out of curiosity, if you're sitting next to that member of the family, would you raise your hand right now? Just call them out. Sitting next to the person who can't keep a secret. Right. Thank you for being honest, okay? Now, I have to tell you, if my family was standing beside me, they would all point to me. I'm that person in the family. I just I can't keep a secret. It's not like I couldn't keep a secret when the kids were younger. I still I do a, just a terrible job. And my girls always knew. Like, if they can butter me up just a little bit and say, hey, Dad, what's the surprise? I mean, if, in most days, I'm just going to spill the beans. And, and so I'm that guy. And so Lana just gets put out with me. And she has to remind me sometimes, there's a reason for surprises sometimes because timing is everything, right? You want to have that moment where everything is revealed. And the same thing is true. We talk about Jesus. Do you see God's timing is perfect. He came at just the right time. And listen, some of you are waiting on something from God. You're longing for something to happen. You look around this Christmas and it's not exactly how you'd want it to happen. And you need to know that God has demonstrated his love for us in that while we were sinners, God sent his son into the world. Do you see? And it changes everything. Jesus is a real person in real history. And God's timing is perfect. I hope that blesses you this Christmas as we remember the God who loved us so much that he sent his son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Would you bow with me? I want to pray for us and we're going to close this time by candlelight. God, thank you for the goodness that you have shown by sending your son, your only son, into this world thank you that from the dawn of time you had a plan to save us and I pray that if there's a man or woman within the sound of my voice who has entrusted you as Savior and Lord I pray that today would be the moment where that happens God this Christmas would you remind us of the almighty God that we serve and we worship we pray these things in Christ's name Amen